Everyone loves James Bond, don't they? Well, pretty much everyone, unless your name's Auric Goldfinger, Dr. No, or some nameless criminal mastermind bent on world destruction and power. Most people seem to enjoy something about James Bond. The toys, the toys. Q and his, uh, his toys. Uh, one of the things that are quite exciting, and you always know, right, the one that he pinches, he picks up in Q's laboratory, there'll be some call for it somewhere through the movie. Uh, there's something unreal about the toys. There's something uh, exciting about the exotic locations that Bond finds himself, the extreme situations, and, of course, the fabulous cars, beautiful girls, there's something about Bond himself. He's an expert, it seems, in every type of weaponry, uh, every type of flying vehicle. He can jump in and take off straight away. Uh, he has a, a physical strength, a verbal wit. He's quick, think, quick thinking, all with a worldly sophistication, a debonair charm and, well, Britishness <laughs> that makes him surprisingly uh, appealing to us. <laughs> he is seen, isn't he, as the connoisseur of fine things. What he drinks, the watch he wears, the suit he wears uh, are all part of what makes James Bond so attractive to us. He is the typical well-dressed gentleman and on occasions he displays good manners as well. But it's not just how he presents and what he can do, but his ability to maintain control in all kinds of situations, I think. It seems no matter how drastic the situation, whatever the scrape he finds himself in, he's always able to maintain his head. When all around him will have, would have lost theirs, he seems to be cool and calm, uh, even in the midst of laser beams or circular saws or things approaching him at a great speed. And so whether it's uh, high-stakes poker or driving nice cars at ridiculously unsafe speeds or being tortured with a seatless chair, that's, that's one part of Bond that I don't aspire to. Uh, but he always seems to be in control even when the situation seems he, he ought not to be. And I think it's something about that, all of that wrapped together, which makes Bond so attractive and so enduring. What are we up to? 22, 23 movies? There are not many uh, franchises that get beyond three or four any decent. There's something particular about Bond which attracts us. Something about Bond for which I think many men aspire to be. Uh, I don't know about you blokes, but I tend to drive much better uh, on the way home from the cinema, right? <laughs> Having seen a, uh, a Bond movie. We aspire to be like Bond, I think, because there's something as unremarkable or as remarkable about all his circumstances, there's something still achievable about Bond. He's... He's a hero, but he's not a superhero. Uh, and then there's a sense in which I think 
we all want to think that maybe if I was in that situation, if I'd thought of that, and if I had that gadget from Q's workshop, uh, I could have got out of that situation like Bond did. There's something attainable about what Bond does. So does that make him a role model for us? Is there something we should aspire to be Bond-like? Well, if we take out all the womanising, the gambling and, let's face it, the licence to kill, there are some admirable things about him. The way he's willing to risk his life for others. The way he works for the triumph of good over evil. The way he makes a point of being the best at what he does. We like to aspire to be like Bond because it's a form of escapism for us, isn't it? We can picture ourselves in circumstances far beyond what our daily lives uh, might be like. I suspect many of us don't actually want to live the Bond life for real. I don't think um, most of us are actually want the weight of the world's survival resting on our shoulders. Um, I, for one, am happy for Bond to take on Jaws and Odd Job and Spectre Agent Number 4, although Spectre Agent Number 5 seems a bit of a pushover. Um, and, and I suspect most of us probably wouldn't know what to do if Electric, uh, Electric King or Vespa Lind would suddenly show some interest in us. We want to be like Bond. We want to imagine being like Bond, but we don't quite want to be Bond. But I wonder if there's something else in our desire to be like Bond. Something in this escapism that appeals to us beyond uh, all that we've mentioned. I wonder if there's something at the heart of James Bond himself which is a little dark the way that Bond seems to live for himself. See, for all his service to queen and country, his loyalty ultimately isn't to humanity, who he's uh, called on to save from time to time. His loyalty isn't primarily to queen and country or even to M, who issues the orders. His ultimate loyalty is to himself. As a double O agent, he operates outside the law, but then he even frequently breaks the rules and regulations of MI6, much to the frustration of M. He fights for good and for freedom against baddies who want power and money and revenge, but revenge is not infrequently also a motivator for Bond. Bond shows little concern for the harm inflicted, emotional or physical, on others. Not only on his enemies, but on his allies and his lovers. And I wonder if there's something in this aspect of escapism that appeals to us. Because the other thing about Bond is, we never see the other side of what happens. Bond gets to do all the things that our culture wants to do. Bond gets to do all the things that we secretly want to do without any of the consequences. It's not just that Bond has a license to kill. He has a license to do pretty much anything and never face the consequences. 
He gambles but never loses the money or never has to pay up the money that he loses. He drinks and seldomly gets drunk but never has a hangover. He crashes his cars and walks away without any increased insurance premiums, (laughs) without any demerit points on his licence, and it seems without anything but a mild scolding from M or Q. He kills and never feels guilt. He sleeps with endless women, and they never seem to mind when he doesn't call, and they never get pregnant. (laughs) Bond does what he wants, ultimately for himself, without consequences. And I suspect that there's a part of us that wants to do that too, that longs to be able to live for ourselves and not deal with the consequences. And amongst all the other things that draw us to Bond, I wonder if there's a sense of that. Bond is fantasy, of course. He's not real. And it's not actually possible to live like Bond without the consequences. But there's an innate selfishness in us that longs to do that, to live how we like for ourselves and without the consequences. Does that sound a bit harsh, a bit heavy? Well, ask yourself this, why, why do I get impatient with others? Why do I ever say things that I shouldn't say? Why do I get discouraged with my circumstances? Why do I give way to anger or to self-pity? I suspect for many of us the answer is that it's because we want our own way. We want things to serve us, to suit us, to fit in for us. And when things don't go our own way, then we lash out in anger or turn inwardly in discouragement. But God wants something better for us. He created us for something bigger than living simply for ourselves. God created us to live for others and for him, which will actually be better for us. It sounds somewhat counterintuitive, doesn't it? But that's exactly what Jesus says. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? And God has given us a greater model than James Bond to aspire after. The greatest example of a life of unselfishness A life lived for others is, of course, the Lord Jesus Christ. Who, as the Bible says, though he was rich, for our sake he became poor, so that by his poverty we might become rich. And the Apostle Paul urges us to cultivate the same frame of mind. Have a look at Philippians chapter 2. So Philippians chapter 2 on page... 1179. This is Paul writing to the Christians, to those who've put their trust in Christ and encouraging them 
to live for him and to follow his example. Have a look at Philippians chapter 2 from verse 3 on page 1179. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross." And we see this example played out in the reading we had from John chapter 13. Uh, if there's one passage in the Bible where Jesus looks least like James Bond, it says he strips off his outer garments, gets some soapy water, and stoops down to wash the stinky feet of his disciples. He humbled himself to serve them, but it's more than that, isn't it? Because he, in the first instance, humbled himself to become one of us, gave up the glory of heaven to come amongst us, amongst those who he himself has created. And as he stooped down to wash his disciples' feet, and as he encouraged them to do likewise, it's more than just a simple act of cleaning his feet. Because as Jesus did that, it was a clear demonstration, an example, a worked out parable of what he would achieve for his disciples on the cross. He said, unless I clean you, you won't be clean. Unless I die for you, you won't be clean, is what he was saying. His demonstration of love was more than just foot washing. His demonstration of love was to serve them to, their de to his death, to humble himself that he might die for us, to deal with all those consequences that we'd rather live without, to deal with the consequences of our selfishness, our greed and our self-interest, to deal with our guilt before God. And so as Jesus humbles himself to become one of us, to die for us, he offers an example for us, not that we should go and be crucified, literally. Uh, we don't need to do that. Christ has done that for us. But to give up a life of living for ourselves, of loyalty primarily to ourselves, to follow a life of loyalty to God and service of others. And it's not just that Jesus' life and death models this for us. But Jesus' life and death enables this for us. The Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. See, of ourselves, we're innately selfish. But Christ's death for us 
has freed us from sin. As we put our trust in him, he promises that through the work of the Spirit in us, we can overcome that nature of selfishness, that we might be shaped more and more into the nature of Christ himself. So the true marks of a gentleman or a gentlewoman uh, is not what car we drive or what drink we drink. The true marks of a gentle person uh, is not seeking to please ourselves and avoid consequences, but it's a life of generosity and empathy and humility lived out through faith in Christ and service of others. So what Christ has done for us in dealing with our guilt, what Christ has done for us through the example he has given, what Christ has done for us by enabling us to live for him is truly fantastic. But unlike James Bond, it's not fantasy. So let's pray and ask that God might do that work in us. Gracious Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your great love for us. That in spite of our selfishness, our greed, our personal ambition, you loved us that you sent your Son into the world, that he might live as one of us and die for us. We thank you for that perfect example of a life lived in the service of you and of others. And we thank you that by Christ's death, he has enabled us to live a life like that. And so we pray that you might bring us to faith in him, that you might do that work in us by your spirit, that we might seek to follow the example of the true gentleman, Jesus Christ, in generosity, empathy and humility. And we pray this in his name. Amen.